This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a big show, a real big shoe. Live from Joe's mom's basement in Texarkana, Texas, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey, money fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it's a special day in the basement because we're reading your letters. I gotta say, it's always a treat seeing all the fan mail coming in for me. But that's not all. With a headline about internet privacy from Next Advisor, Jocelyn Baird. Plus, I'm handing over a dose of amazing trivia. We'll still make time for the Haven Lifeline and Mom's making beef stroganoff for dinner. What a day. And now, two guys who had better make sure they read at least one letter dedicated to me. You're doing that, right, boys? It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. But what if we don't have a letter for him? We'll just make one up. That'll be so much better than a regular letter anyway. Hey, everybody. I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And welcome back to the Stacky Benjamin Show. Man, we got fun today, OG. I always love answering people's letters. It is the highlight of my week. And I also just called him OG, but that's other voices. The man we call the other guy or OG across the table. So kind of thought we determined that this thing stood for original gangster. It can be whatever you want, as long as it's the letter O and the letter G. I kind of think of Sons of Anarchy, you know, when Gemma gets hooked up with the I don't know any the OG. That's kind of me. Like, I'm the the father figure. I've kind of seen it all and done it all. Is that not how you see me? Or do you just see me as another guy? Probably the second one. Okay. All right. But you know, when I do see you, I see you heading to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Because when you go there, you know what happens, OG? You save 450 bucks on average, and you like saving money, right? I'm a big money saver. So guess what? When you head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash magnify money, you'll find that your checking account, your savings account, and those debt products you have might not be as good as the ones that you should have. And guess what? That's because a lot of people just walk into their bank and they say, hey, what do you got? And then they take the best of the best from just that small slice when you could actually have, according to one Reddit user, over 92% of the things available out there on the internet and in banks. So what are you waiting for? StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. And while we're at it, the place magnify money calls number one when it comes to student loan refinancing and personal loans. You know what that is? That's SoFi, spelled S-O-F-I. If you go to StackyBenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. They're going to throw in a hundred bucks more if you refinance your student loans or take out a personal loan using our link. 
stackybenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. You'll find they've got many options to serve you like flexible loan terms, extremely competitive interest rates. Better yet, they work with members, not just customers and people that work with SoFi know that they're a different kind of company. They'll be finding a new job, invite you to networking events and roll out a range of services you won't find at banks. So whether you're hoping to buy a house, refinance your existing one, consolidate your student loans, or get your personal debt under control, it's stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi as your first stop. Man, as I mentioned, great show today. Excited to answer your letters. We got some phenomenal letters from you. You're the stars of the show, but first we have some headlines, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Jimmy Smits was that guy's name. That's who starred in Sons of Anarchy. Nero Padilla. Jimmy Smits. He's been around forever. That's, that that's kind of like me, like the OG. That guy's played so many different different pieces. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So I'm sure you're going to have some kind of cool headline here in a second. Well, I, I do. But Jimmy Smits first, cool headline second. Here's the headline. Comes to us from Investment News. Trump agenda spawns new ETFs that align with his policies. Funds are being rolled out that capitalize <laughs> on infrastructure spending, <laughs> tax reform, and conservative causes. This comes to us. We should have done this in our joke episode. Bloomberg, Bloomberg News. Uh, we're a couple weeks past the first hundred days of Donald Trump's presidency. We don't do politics on this show, but OG, we do do stupidity. <laughs> and, <laughs> and sometimes those things are connected. Sometimes. And does this drive you crazy? This has nothing to do with politics at all. If you buy an ETF based on one administration's policies, which are a lot different than the last administration's policies, why are you doing that? Like, why don't you take a long-term view from the beginning? I don't understand. I understand why companies offer this, for, for lack of a better term, crap. I don't get why people buy it. Well, I know why people buy it. It's because it's it's the same reason that people still day trade. It's just It just sounds cool, right? You take this really good concept of an exchange-traded fund, and then you destroy it by turning it into a product that you create your own basket of exchange that you're trying to modify. It's, it's no different than all of these other ETFs that pop up for, you know, gosh, who knows what, but they just think of like, well, I've created this index. So now I can get an ETF. I've got an index of companies that are blue. It's the blue stock index. <laughs> Come buy my ETF. I've got a stock of logos of companies that are purple. I wonder if the purple's going to beat the blue. Global X, which launched seven thematic ETFs in the past year. Is thematic. There you go. That just sounds thematic. really important, but uh, dog crap. Yeah. Is, uh, is seeing interest from investors after long-term growth strategies. Director of Research Jay Jacobs said in a television interview, quote, the expected returns for equities are very low, but people still want to grow a nest egg and invest for retirement, so they need to find growth from other sources, he said. Thematic investing is one of those. Thematic investing in what? Equities. Well, just listen to what he just—he's like, <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't buy stocks because they're not going to grow very fast. Except but if you buy these, these things, they may. But what are those things? Oh, those are stocks. Uh, <laughs> but you should—you said I shouldn't buy stocks. No, no, you should buy stocks. Just, just these ones instead. Right. You want and preferably inside of this wrapper where we get to charge, you know, X percent a year to put them all together for you. Yeah. You oh, I'm sure they're really cheap ETFs too. Do you have an idea? <laughs> What's the name of them? Let's see how inexpensive they are. So their expenses, what do you got? 
Well, they lead the pack with this awesome fund. It's called the Super Dividend Alternatives ETF. I don't know about you, but dividends just by themselves aren't cool anymore. We need super dividends. The good news is that the expense fee is only 3.19. What? Are you a 4%? No, no. 3.19. Let's oh. not exaggerate. I'm sorry, I, thought you said gonna, three, I thought you said 3.9. 3.19. Yep. Only 3.19. Super it's, a, it's super dividends, though. I don't think so. you understand. Uh, Miss Client, this is not a dividend fund. This is a super dividend fund. And by the way, when this one doesn't work out, they're going to come up with the super duper dividend fund. The super de duper. Right. Uh, 1.1, 0.9. You know, exciting. You know, when they have, when they come out with a fund that says, like, it's uh, the S&P 500 with sprinkles on it. Like, oh, I want the sprinkles on it. The sprinkles only cost me 2% more. Here's one of their uh, super funds. This is what do they call thematic funds. Yeah. It has the low, low fee of 0.7. Ouch. I'll link to this in the show notes. But if you ever find yourself going, hey, you know what? I want to invest based on uh, current administration policies. Boing. Or the hot fat of the moment. Boing. I don't get that. And people will say, you know, we had uh, we had Jamie Wise on here last week from the Buzz Index. And we've had Phil back on here before. That those are those are much longer term trends, right? I mean, when it, when we're looking at the wisdom of crowds, the wisdom of crowds is not a hot fad. The wisdom of crowds has been something that people have been talking about forever. I mean, as long as we've had any type of PR or research or anything, that's a that's a whole different thing. Or, or basing your investment decisions on customer satisfaction, like Phil Beck talked about a few weeks ago. Okay, I buy that. Basing it on something that's transitory. It's clear to change. I don't get that approach. And in our second headline, online rules are changing, OG. In October, the Washington Post reported that the FCC passed sweeping new rules to protect your online privacy. And those rules recently have been changing again, according to NextAdvisor.com. Jocelyn Baird wrote the story at Next Advisor, and she joins us on my dad shortwave with us now. Welcome to the party, Jocelyn. Hi, thanks for having me. Tell us, so what happened? Uh, these rules have been rolled back. Yeah, they had just been approved in October, like you said, uh, and they haven't even gone into effect. So I know that a lot of people have kind of said, you know, they took away protection, but really what happened is they just said these won't go into effect, so everything stays the way it has been. Yeah, that has been some misinformation. I thought, you know, you hear some people, and I don't really want to get into the politics of it, but this is probably a lot less political than some people thought. Probably. I mean, you know, there was the issue of it being a party line vote, but um, right. yeah, I would think it's a little less political and more business focused. But this does get into something that you guys talk about all the time at Next Advisor, which is privacy and being careful when you're on the Internet. What are some best practices people need to know to protect themselves online? I think the most important thing that I, I keep trying to hammer both into myself and other people uh, is always read the terms of service agreements for any website you use, social media network, service provider. Uh, it can get kind of boring, I know, but best way to protect yourself is to know what you're agreeing to. Well, that's what I was going to say, Jocelyn, is that's also a great way to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have trouble sleeping at night, there you go. <laughs> right. What about shopping online or doing payments online? What do we need to know there? Make sure you're using a website that's reputable. You can look in your browser when you're on a website, and what you want to look for is HTTPS, the S, 
basically tells you that the site is secured and it's going to be an encrypted website, which will prevent anyone who might be trying to look in on what you're doing from seeing as much of what you do. Awesome. And then if I'm uh, exchanging money, I mean, is that once again, we go back to reputable websites? Yeah, basically uh, reputable websites, making sure that, you know, if you get an email saying, you know, big deal on some item that you're interested in, maybe instead of clicking a link, go to the site. If it's, if it says it's from Amazon, go to Amazon and do your own search. Make sure that you're using a website that is the right website. Right. Because those phishing scams are all over the place. I mean, it always seems like, oh, I've either got, yeah, I got a package waiting for me or something. If I just click here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, next advisor, this is the type of thing that you guys talk about all the time. And I, by the way, I'll link to your piece and the original Washington post piece back in October on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. But I, I love talking about some of the resources that people have that are on the show. Jocelyn, tell us a little bit about what you guys mm-hmm. do at next advisor. Our basic goal is to take concepts that might be a little difficult to grasp, like, you know, this this ruling or financial concepts and break them down so that everyday people can understand them and make the best choices for themselves and their families. Good stuff. And we'll obviously have a link to Next Advisor on our show notes. Thanks for hanging out for a few minutes, Jocelyn. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Jocelyn Baird from Next Advisor. Good stuff there, OG. I think, uh, you know, protecting yourself online. How many times we talk about that? When you're shopping online, make sure that you've got that. It's very quick and easy to look over and make sure there's the HTTPS mm-hmm. and that the closed the lock little is lock, there. right? You've got to have the yeah. lock. Yeah, and not not uh, falling prey to phishing schemes when big companies email you and it didn't really come from the big company. Uh, sounds obvious, but how many people have gotten caught up in that? I think that's our first lesson. Second lesson is thinking about buying the latest, trendiest, hottest ticket out there in investing. Why don't you leave that for your social life and leave your investments where they should be in a good, solid, proven, long-term approach. It's letters. I've got a bunch of letters here, OG. This comes to us from the Corrections Department. We talked to Brett Crosby a couple weeks ago from Pier Street OG about uh, real estate. We neglected to say that Pier Street is for accredited investors only. I botched not asking him the question. And uh, I've had several people email me saying, that sounded really cool. And you never once in the interview said, is that only for accredited investors? And I don't qualify. So... That's a correction. Pier Street is for accredited investors only. And then the second thing is we have a long process of uh, editing these shows. And actually, we listen to the show three times before it goes out. I listen to it. Steve Stewart, our engineer, listens to it. And then I listen to it again. And three times listening to a recent show, we had a contributor who made a political statement and not talking about the kind of stuff we were just talking about, literally made a political statement on the show. I didn't catch it. Steve didn't catch it. And then it's my job to be the backstop. I didn't catch it again. And it went out. I remember the contributor saying it at the time. And I thought that's going on the cutting room floor and it didn't. So my apologies. We don't do politics on the show and somebody rightfully called me out on that. Uh, So I owe each and every one of you an apology for uh, not keeping to that. So, all right. That's from the corrections department. Let's, let's move on to the letters. OG. How about that? Bring the noise. 
Our first letter comes to us from our friend Thias. Thias says, hey, Joe, hope all's well. Tough loss for Sparty in the Big Ten tournament and in March Madness. Uh, okay, thank you very much. Thias is a Wisconsin fan. He said he has a quick question regarding 457 and 403B accounts. His wife started working at a school district this year that offers both a 403B and a 457. From what he can tell, the plans are essentially the same, except that a 457 doesn't have a 10% withdrawal penalty if we decide to take the money out before 59 and a half. To me, this easily makes a 457 the preferred bucket if we only try and fund one of them. Am I missing something? Appears to be a superior type plan comparing 401k, 403b, if you have both offered to you. I just never heard of it before. Thanks for the help and keep up the passable work on the shoe. Very, very, very good. On the show? Oh, oh, he says shoe the way that, uh, what's his name did? Uh, what's, who's, who's the, we got a big shoe. It's a joke. Anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's a little too old for you, but that's okay. So 457 versus a 403B OG. What say you? Yeah, he's exactly right. Before 59 and a half, you can take a 457 without penalties. The biggest difference between a 403B and a 457 is that uh, a lot of times the, the investment choices are a lot different. Sometimes a 403B will be sheltered kind of in an, in an annuity, whereas a 457 quite often is just a collection of mutual funds. A lot of times you can find that the 457 maybe costs a little bit less if you really kind of dive into it. And there could be bigger restrictions on moving the money from the 457 if you separate from service before 59 and a half and you want to move it to an IRA. It might be a little bit harder to do that. But assuming that you plan on working until you're 60 or 55 and then retiring, generally speaking, they're pretty close to being the same with the one notable exception thighs that you already picked up on, which is no early withdrawal penalty. Good stuff. Thanks for the question, Thais. Appreciate that. We could have Thais back on the show. He's joined our roundtable in the past and we got to do that again. Uh, next question comes to us from Steve. Steve says, hey, guys, new listeners. I only recently found the show. Where have you been, Steve? We've been waiting for Steve, haven't we, OG? This whole time. And finally, Steve is here. So we can now roll out the good stuff. Our work is now complete. If, if there is any good stuff, it's going to start coming now. Okay. Uh, he maxes out his 401k every year and has a budget that allows him to save roughly half of his paycheck. Bam. How about that? Nice. He's 25 years old and is engaged with a wedding creeping up on his fast. There goes half the paycheck. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, not me. It's <laughs> so bad. Sorry. I apologize. We'll be paying for the wedding ourselves. I have roughly 20000 in a savings account and paying the deposits for vendors in cash. I have a mortgage and a car payment and hoping to pay it off in the next month. How about that? Now, my question is, we're expecting the wedding to cost us roughly $33,000. Wow. If you were in my shoes, would you pay cash for everything? Or take a loan from my 401k or even a personal loan. I max out my 401k each year and currently have 60000 in it. Thanks for the information and views you share. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Not sure if it's good work, Steve, but but it's but it's work. Yeoman's and work anyway. We are entertaining ourselves and we're going to do it right now at Steve, Steve's expense. So take out a loan. Keep paying cash. What should he do? Never in a million years should you finance your wedding. Holy shnikes. I can't believe that they cost 33000 I guess that's a different topic for a different day. I might find a less expensive alternative to $33,000. I 
think about how much fun he could have eloping on 12 crazy. grand. You know? um, that just seems a little obscene, especially if you're paying for it for yourself, yourself. But right? if you've like, got a big family, I've got, you know, my dad has 16 brothers and sisters. And so when I got married, there was no way around a big wedding. Yeah, but you can have a big wedding with a smaller budget, can't you? I mean, I don't know. It's been a while since I've been married, so I, I just and and we didn't pay for a lot of it. Mrs. OG's parents paid for the vast majority of it, if not all of it. Well, so thirty three thirty three thousand is fine by you, then. Yeah, they they you know it's okay. Man, if I'm paying my own wedding, I sit down with the bride and say, "Listen, homie, don't play that." But I, beside the point, you didn't ask me my opinion on the thirty three thousand number. You asked how to pay for it. Cash, 100%. And we've talked about this a gazillion times, but Steve, since you're new, Joe, you do this great thing where you take the money that you would have taken out of your retirement account, right? And then say, it's not really $10,000. It's really a bigger number. You want to walk through that? You know, what I actually want to walk through is something totally different. Oh, okay. Well, see, uh, that that is an example, my friend, of a segue <laughs> where I say, I got I got this great- How good you know, am I? This great-, How- se- this great Yes. Set up to the next yes. thing. Well, I the hand pr- you the baton, and then you take the baton, you break it in half, and go. I'm running this way. The problem, like, just come on. The, the problem is, is the money's going back in the 401k. It's not like he's taking it out forever, right? Which Allegedly, is, it's going back in the 401k. Exactly, which is what I want to walk through. Which is the fact that what if he loses his job, right? If he loses his job and he took all this money out and he doesn't pay the money back, like right flipping now. He's got some big problems and now he did take it out forever and he didn't he didn't want to. I am not a fan of of taking money out of ever taking a 401k loan. Plus, using 401k money, the stock market's been on a tear. We don't know when it's going to end. And so if the stock market continues to be on a tear and he's paying himself back with interest, right, this little nominal amount, he's losing all of this money that he could have had in interest over that time. Also, you pay yourself back with after-tax money But you know when you what? put the money in pre-tax. I mean, that's a big deal, but that's not a big deal because it would have happened that way anyway. I totally agree, but that's not the big deal. I made Icing it out on the cake. Be. I got it. Yes, not the big deal I made it out to be in the past. I was, yes. So, um, yeah, yeah, don't do it. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't. Dial back the wedding if you have if you can't pay cash, yes, right? Yes, right. Hand OG $10,000 and it'll show you how to do it on just 22000 Yeah, exactly. Math works out the same for everybody <laughs> and he deals himself in, right? OG's wedding was all the mini weenies you can eat. Literally and figuratively. I'm not talking about the honeymoon. I swear we're 11. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the note, Steve. Let's move on to Jeremy's question. Jeremy says he's been listening to the show for over a year now, and it's certainly been a great part of his routine. He hasn't learned anything, but last year he managed to pay off nearly 13,000 in credit card and student loan debt without any help from us. I think that's fantastic, OG. Not too shabby. That's a thousand months. Yeah. He feels he still has so far to go. He currently has 44,000 left in student loans from finishing his bachelor's in business management. He lived at home with his parents while tackling this debt. Know that feeling. He's torn between moving out to get his own place or just continuing to pay down debt. My question is, which would you recommend? I've got a great relationship with my parents. I have two jobs, so I'm not there that often anyways. Any thoughts on this situation? Man, I do. Thanks for the question, Jeremy. 
Yeah, as somebody who is uh, kicking kids out of the nest, I'm interested in your opinion on this. I say ride that gravy train, baby. I am totally with you. Ride that gravy train until Listen. Papa comes down to the basement one time and says, son, it's time. <laughs> it's just, yeah. We've done having you here now for 25 years. It's time to pack your stuff. Listen, realize how great you've got it. Help out a ton at home. Pull your way. Even offer to pay some rent. I agree with all of those things. But if you can minimize expenses, you know, when I started my first business in high school, I was told by a great mentor, he's like, keep your overhead low. And it's the same when you work with families, OG. Yeah, that's the one thing that's instant return on your money, right? I mean, if you try to adjust your budget and you go from the expensive cable package to the little one, that money is return right in your pocket. You know, that's that's a hundred bucks or whatever the number is, you know, and in this case, for every dollar that you don't spend on rent and, and electricity and cable and gas and AC and all that sort of stuff, that's that's that much faster that you can get the uh, student loans paid off. Yeah, good stuff. Build that nest egg as much as possible before you you have to move. And there will come a time, right? Maybe when you're 60, 40, 45, somewhere in there. Right. Thanks for the question, Jeremy. Mom just demotes you to the basement after a period of time. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of mom... Mom's serving some lemonade upstairs. Time for us to take a quick break for Doug's trivia. So, uh, oh, gee, let's uh, stretch our legs for a second. Hey there, money fans and LOL. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Is there anything we love more than abbreviating words? That LOL back there. By not saying laugh out loud, I must have saved like two seconds. If I do that 14 or 1500 times a day, I get my whole day back. PDQ. Yeah, it's pretty darn quick if you're playing along at home. Nothing wrong with that, BTW. That means, by the way, for all you old souls. So how about this trivia question? What does the acronym IRA stand for? Think you know? We'll find out in just a moment. All right, raise your hand. Do you drive an extra five minutes in traffic to save just a few pennies at the gas pump? Well, when's the last time you spent five minutes trying to save on the big things like auto loans? Lucky for you, we brought in Nick Clements from Magnify Money with a few tips on saving money if you find yourself financing a car. If you're buying a new car, there's really no better deal than the 0% financing that would be offered by the manufacturer. The issue really starts to happen if you don't qualify for the manufacturer's financing or you're buying a used car. And in those cases, I, I think it's a very good idea to always shop online and get a low rate before you walk onto the lot. Uh, chances are high that the dealer will beat it, but if you don't walk onto the lot with a low rate to begin with, you know you won't get the best deal. Thanks, Nick. More than just auto loans, Magnify Money's the perfect spot for reviewing just how well or not your checking and savings accounts are performing. You might just decide to switch banks, and guess what? Why stick with just one bank at all when you can use magnifymoney.com to always find best-in-class stuff? StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. Average person saves $450 in interest when they go there. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. You're hoping to be fantastic with your finances. If you want to be great with your money, you should partner with great companies. And SoFi, spelled S-O-F-I, happens to be in the business of greatness, low interest rates and top-notch service. I'm always interested in finding out how great companies became great. Dan Macklin, co-founder of SoFi, tells us about the early days. 
well, the way I got involved, there was a few of us who wanted to think about starting a company in the finance area. And we had some grand ideas, but we needed a, a product that we could bring that to life. And student loans almost just presented itself because we were surrounded by fellow students who had lots of debt. It suddenly became obvious that this was a huge problem, a huge underserved market, and we could really help a lot of people by giving better student loans and student loan refinancing. But no frat house, no alcohol? There was a bit of alcohol involved along the way, of course, of course. But but yeah, the rest <laughs> the rest is history. So regardless of alcohol, SoFi is your number one choice to refinance your student loans, whether it's a plus, parent, or personal student loan, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. And if you use our link to refinance those student loans or take out a personal loan to handle that credit card debt, they're going to throw in $100 just because you're friends with us. Great people stick together, don't they? Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. Welcome back, money fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. So much for using acronyms. OG, oh wait, that was one right there. OG just told me that saying BTW instead of by the way is actually longer. HS Batman, BTW is four syllables and by the way is only three. (sighs) What? I don't know how that's possible. The time it takes to explain all this? TRMTR. That's totally ruining my track record if you aren't up on all the HL. Uh, That's hip language for all of you, TDTGI, which means too dumb to get it, IYKWIM, which is, if you know what I mean, ugh, I can't stop. Anyway, TYSM for staying around for the second half of my awesome trivia. Before the break, I asked you what the acronym IRA actually means. The answer? Did you think it meant individual retirement account? That would actually be wrong. IRA, according to the IRS, is short for Individual Retirement Arrangement. Who knew? Yeah, Uncle Doug knew, that's who. All right, TTYL. Who gives a crap of what the IRS calls things? You gotta <laughs> use like the common language, right? Everybody knows it stands for Individual Retirement Account. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but doesn't it surprise you? That surprised yeah. me. Well, I individual guess, retirement like, arrangement. It doesn't surprise me that yes. the IRS has a stupid collection for something. You know what I mean? Yeah, not great. Uh, hey, let's uh, throw out the Hyven Lifeline. Did I say Haven? Haven Lifeline. I got this new uh, thing going on, OJ. Uh, the Haven Lifeline to tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends over at the Haven Life Insurance Agency are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you value most, your family and your time. They were the first life insurance startup that's also backed by industry giant Mass Mutual to create a high-quality, affordable term life insurance policy that you can purchase entirely online. And qualified healthy applicants, they can even skip the medical exam. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and also to learn about life insurance the modern way. And the modern way, OG, means the faster way. Yeah, sometime the century way. Right. If you care about your family, spend more time with them and less with a bunch of life insurance people. Today, we throw out the lifeline to our good friend, Derek. Say hello, Derek. Hi, Joe and OG. This is Derek. I was wondering about uh, the topic of leasing cars. I've always been somebody who has bought my cars in cash. 
I am 25 years old and I've owned four cars now, all of which I've bought in cash and, you know, drove them till they were basically dead and then sold them for cheap. But right now I'm at a job that has a lot of people who seemingly enjoy the benefits of leasing a vehicle and think that that's the best way to go. I guess I just wanted your perspective because I've always thought that I was right in that paying cash for a vehicle just led to or like made more financial sense in the long run. But I was curious about if there is ever a time that it's good to lease a vehicle or if you should just buy it outright in cash off the side of the road or if there is some merit in protecting your liquidity and getting a low interest rate car loan. Uh, So your perspective on that would be very much appreciated. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for the question, Derek. By the way, OG, we've just found out we have a whole episode coming out on this. We're going to answer the question, but we got a whole episode coming probably at the beginning of June that we're preparing with uh, some some great people to help us on used car, new car. So we're going to attack that in depth, but let's answer the direct question from Derek. Great question. When it comes to buying a car, I think that ultimately it boils down to personal choice more than anything. Again, if we just look at it from a financial aspect, it's really stupid to buy a brand new car, right? It's it's the only thing that I can think of, although there's probably other things, that when you spend $40,000 on a shiny new car, the nanosecond that you start it up and drive it off the lot, it's worth thirty five. Right. So why would you want that? <laughs> like, why would you, That is a known $5,000 loss. Why don't you just buy the $35,000 one that maybe is worth 32,000? You just saved yourself some money. So personally, I'm a big fan of buying slightly used. Now, of course, anybody that's listening to the show for length, of, you know, any length of time knows that we just bought a minivan brand new. It's just what worked out best for us at the time. The whole concept of leasing versus buying ultimately boils down to what's most important to you. Again, from a financial standpoint, I really think that if you're going to do cars the right way, you buy slightly used, they still have a warranty, so you get all the benefits, quote unquote, of the new car. It still smells like a new car, drives like a new car, and it's still got a new car warranty, right? That's the most common things that people argue for new cars. Buy slightly used, you drive until the wheels come off seven, eight, ten years later, and then you do it again. But there are people who, from a utilitarian standpoint, look at it and say, but I want a new car every two years. I want a new car every three years. And I want the the latest and greatest technology in my vehicles. I never want to think about what do I do if I need an oil change? What do I do if the alternator goes? I never want to have that out-of-pocket expense. And I'm willing to pay for that in advance by leasing the car. I mean, it'd be no different than if you said, I'm going to give up my car altogether and just take Uber every day you're just renting your car on demand. Only this time when you lease a car, you are leasing it on demand. You know what I mean? I know that there's a ton of personal opinions on this back and forth. There's obviously, you know, like Dave Ramsey is completely anti brand new car, unless you get a million dollars, never leasing it. He calls it fleecing it. But I know people who love leasing cars and love the whole experience of that. And the whole mind component of, I go pick up my car I drop it off three years later. If anything happens in the meantime, I drive it in, I grab a new one, they fix it. They tell, you know what I mean? Like they just like that peace of mind piece and that's worth something to them. Personally, I like buying slightly used, a couple years old, still under warranty, you know, 20,000 miles, something like that. And I'll drive a car for 10 years. But assuming that all of your other goals are complete, what does it matter? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you've got, you can look at the money in your bank account or you can look at the money in your driveway. 
Yeah, I mean, when it comes to cars, as you very eloquently said, buying a used car, 99.9% of the time, the best thing. Leasing the car is usually a horrible thing. But if you love, you know, I, I had some friends that just loved having a new car all the time. And some people I worked with that had to have a new car all the time, right? It was a perception issue in their job. It directly correlated with their income. Well, maybe not directly, but very, you know, very closely correlated with how they, they make their money. Like a like people selling real estate and taking people around in their car. Like if you're taking them around in the 87 Bondo Mobile, it's, yeah. it's barely running. They think that you're not uh, uh, making it happen. It's all personal preference once you get past yeah. goal attainment. Yeah. But financially, Derek nailed it. Use car, pay cash, avoid auto loans, best financial decision. Correct. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, though, OG, you know, over a longer period of time, we've seen two times, I have anyway, where historically the car companies were hurting so bad they were practically giving new cars away. And I couldn't make the math work out for used cars. The used car market was really hot. The new car market wasn't. You've got 0% financing. Oh, yeah, 0% financing. If you, if you get zero or something less than what you're getting in your checking account, I mean, that's... Well, That's kind of. I, well, and on top of that, that drive off the lot instant depreciation was much, much less. Yeah, you know, because there's period, a ton of inventory already. Yeah, they're sweating so bad. So really yeah. was uh, worried about that. So anyway, good stuff. Thanks for the question, Derek. I always like talking about cars. And obviously, as I mentioned, we got more coming up on that in about a month. Next question comes to us from Gerardo. He says, our small six employees company has a simple IRA retirement account set up with Fidelity. I get a 3% match for my company. Looking at my account, around $12,000 when I log into Fidelity, I see the following funds. Fidelity Advisor Biotech, Fidelity Advisor International Small Cap Opportunities, Fidelity Advisor Mid-Cap Value, Fidelity Advisor International Growth. When reviewing my portfolio with personal capital, I noticed that all of these four funds have by far much higher expense ratios than everything else I have in my portfolio. The expense ratio of these four funds seem to range between 1.35 and 1.8% as of this moment. The rest of my portfolio consists of Vanguard slash iShares funds managed via Betterment, and the expense ratios for these range between 0.05% and 0.4%. Quite a difference, and it'll greatly impact the potential growth of my investments exponentially considering a conservative expected return of 7 to 8% over the long run. I'm not happy with these much higher expense ratios, and my goal is to find options that have considerably lower fees. I was wondering, one, how can I find out if these are actively or passively managed funds? Two, in case I'm stuck with these four Fidelity funds, can I roll over my simple IRA investments while still employed at my company? I currently have a Betterment account would either roll over the traditional IRA I have there or look directly into Vanguard as an option as well. Thank you so much. Hoping to hear back from you. OG. Sounds like he's got uh, four expensive options. Well, it sounds to me a couple of things. Firstly, probably this is an advisor-sold plan. Just by the names of the funds, Fidelity Advisor is their distribution arm for advisor-sold plans, which means that they're going to have a little bit more expensive funds there. But but, uh, but not just expensive. Why does a why does a simple IRA only have a biotech fund, international small cap, mid cap value, and international growth? I well, mean, <laughs> what I was going to say there is I don't think that that's the simple IRA plan because I'm familiar with the Fidelity simple IRA plan and there's 
no shortage of investment options through Fidelity. Now you got to use Fidelity stuff, but that sounds like more like these are the funds that he might have picked in the past. So from an expense standpoint, certainly more expensive than anything else. They are actively managed funds. We don't have to look that up. I can tell you the answer already. And they're certainly more expensive, but I would be more concerned with the allocation than the funds at the fund expense ratios at this point. Assuming that you have other choices within that simple IRA, I might look to diversify that a little bit uh, into some some less home run style hitting, try to hit home runs every single time investment choices. But the actual question he had was, can I move this money? So the answer is yes, you can. You can move your simple IRA while you're contributing to it and not close it as long as the account's been open two years. So as long as you've had it for two years, you can transfer it in kind to Betterment, to Vanguard, to any place you want and still get the contributions. And then, you know, you can set up a a process maybe every year or something like that, where every year you transfer it out and put it into what you want to invest it into. Yeah. But many 401ks, OG, they have, they have language in there that tells you if you can move it or not. Is it true with all simples? Like if he wants to move any simple, he can move it after two years. Uh, I've never found one that you can't. So I'm thinking that's pretty uniform. Gotcha. Really? And the other thing that you can do too, by the way, is put pressure on the management team to fix that problem. Absolutely. You know, if there's only six employees, you can go, hey, boss, this sucks. Get us the Vanguard Simple IRA plan. It doesn't take but a five seconds to set up. I mean, he doesn't, he or she, whoever the boss is, can set that thing up over Friday's lunch. Get everybody enrolled and bada boom, bada bing. Works just the same. Bam. Hey, we got uh, two more great questions before we say goodbye to our questions episode. This next one comes to us from Kristen. She says, I recently started listening to the show along with Paula Pants and I'm loving all the advice, banner, and knowledge. I have a great question. Yes, I think it's a really great question. Please answer this. Guess what? It's your lucky day, Kristen. Uh, About two months after you asked it, we will answer it. (laughs) Not because we don't love you. We're just uh, running a little behind. I've been working for the government for 11 years now and contributing to my thrift savings plan up to the match of 5%. This has always been into my thrift savings plan 401k. In 2012, the government decided to also provide the option of putting your money into a Roth thrift savings plan. As you probably know, different than a Roth IRA, but still provides similar tax benefits. The government will only match one or the other. I've started to put some extra money that I have into the Roth, but not as much as I would like. Since I've accumulated a chunk into my 401k and knowing compounding is a good thing, should I keep putting the majority of my match into the 401k or start all over and have the government match my contributions into the Roth? I'm not a financial guru, so please help. Would also love to know your thoughts on life cycle retirement funds. I know the market doesn't have a crystal ball, (laughs) but I also have no idea on what categories to put my retirement fund in either. A little more information. My husband's self-employed, has his own IRA and 401k. We also have two children and small 529 plans. Again, thanks for all the help you can give. Great question and glad you asked it. This is a really great financial planning question because there's so many so many variables here and so many details that you know we're just going to have to guess on. But I'll tell you how I would solve the problem. The answer to how much should I put in my 401k traditional side versus the Roth side is a very simple question, I think and can be calculated very easily using uh, your tax returns. So you're going to find out where your tax bracket is and make sure that if you're just over into a new tax bracket, then I would contribute 
enough just to stay into the previous one. If you're right in the middle, then it's not going to matter whether or not you contribute to, to the traditional or to the Roth 401k because you're not going to affect your taxes as profoundly, if that makes sense. My personal opinion on it is that the Roth concept of tax-free money forever trumps tax deduction today. So given the, given the assumption that you don't make $400,000 a year and are at the top tax bracket and we're really trying to do as much as we can to eliminate uh, taxes on the high end, I would assume that it probably makes sense to do a little bit of both. Now, if you can only contribute, what she said was that the government only matches to one. One of the options you could do is alternate year to year. You could coordinate with your husband's uh, retirement plan, uh, what he's doing. So if he can maybe contribute a little bit more to the to his traditional IRA while you contribute a little bit more to the Roth 401k perhaps or through his employer plan. So a lot of different combinations there, but I'm going to start with looking at the tax returns first and finding out, you know, where do we sit in the tax bracket standpoint? Yeah, I love I love the point about uh, compounding interest. Compounding interest is going to be the same regardless of where you put Yeah, you were just talking about the tax impact. Yeah. Basically, you're saying, you know, I can put $5,000 in this thing that I get I get to save some taxes today. Let's call it a thousand bucks. Or I could put this five thousand dollars in another bucket where I got to pay an extra thousand, but I never have to pay taxes on that again. No one does. I don't have to. My kids don't have to. My grandkids. Nobody pays taxes forever. Let's talk about the second part of her question, which is about life cycle funds and where she should put oh, her money. Yeah, yeah. The awesome thing about the TSP is that while you still can screw it up, you got a, like a sixty percent chance of not screwing it you up. You got to work really hard to screw it up. Yeah. So five funds that are available in the TSP, C, I, S, F, and G, right? So F and G, fixed income fund, and the government securities fund. Both of those are fixed income funds. Those are bond funds. The C fund, common stock. So that's going to look a lot like your S&P 500 fund. I fund is international. S is small cap. So we don't know about age or any of that other sort of stuff, but generally speaking, my opinion is not a lot. Hardly any zero is the better number of fixed income. So I'm going to limit my choices between C, I, and S and pick an allocation that provides me with the uh, with the rate of return that I need to reach my long-term goals. Again, assuming all of those other things that we talked about before. Life cycle funds is just TSP's way of doing that for you and ratcheting down your quote-unquote volatility, right, your risk, as you get closer to that age. So if it said, I'm going to retire in the year 2040, I'm going to have a 2040 fund. It's a little more aggressive today. By the time I get to 2039, it's going to be very conservative. I disagree with that concept completely, as we've talked about a million times. I don't think your allocation changes one little bit the day before you retire versus the day after you retire, let alone 10 years before. So I would take all the lifestyle funds and put a big red X through them and say, do not buy them. C-I-N-S, that's it. Which is also C-I-S, right? Keep it simple. That's one way to spell the word keep, correct. <laughs> or K-I-S, you choose. Great question. Thank you for that. A lot of moving parts in that one. Yeah, thanks for that, Kristen. We appreciate it and glad you like the show. Last question for the day. You ready, OG? This one comes to us from Jordan. Jordan says, hey, Joe and OG, been listening for a few months. It's probably a bad sign. I enjoy the basement and Doug's trivia. It's okay to enjoy the basement, Jordan, but enjoying Doug's trivia might be 
that part might be. This is kind of the letter that Doug was looking for. So we checked that box. We finally got him on. We got to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There it is, Doug. There it is. That's all you get. But, but then he says, chalk it up to the Stockholm syndrome. Oh, well, yes, I can understand that. There it goes. And I've got a question. I've not been able to figure out about setting up an investment account as my first steps toward retirement planning. I'm self-employed. So I don't have an employer match and our little company doesn't offer a 401k, but I do have a negligible amount in a mutual fund. I'm 34 and have the option of setting up a tax deferred IRA or just continue investing my own post-tax dollars. With tax rates relatively low as they are now compared to 30 plus years ago and unpredictable in the future, though not likely to go much lower with plenty of potential to go higher, post-tax investing seems like the better option. The benefit of tax-deferred investing, in my understanding, seems to be limited to the additional match which some people are able to get from their employers. Can you shed some light on the distinction and the benefits of going one way or another? Thanks. Great question to end it on. Let's talk about uh, pre-tax, after-tax. Yeah, another great tax question. This is all sourced from your tax return. So we had that course a month and a half ago, right, about taxes and going through your tax return and identifying where the line items go. This is a great example of that. When you go through your tax return, you can plug in, here's where I could put a tax deferred plan. And so for a self-employed person, you can call it a SEP IRA, self-employed pension, and or you can contribute to a regular IRA, that sort of thing. But let's say that you make $50,000 a year and that's your take-home pay. You pay federal taxes, state taxes probably, and On top of that, you pay FICA taxes twice because you have to pay the employer side of that, right? For every dollar that you put into a tax deferred plan, you're saving real money there. I mean, even if you were in the 10% tax bracket plus 15% FICA taxes, there's 25 right there at a little state on top of it. And you might be saving 30 cents on the dollar there. So if I had a choice between putting $5,000 a year in my uh, brokerage account and $5,000 a year putting in my SEP IRA, your SEP, you're going to end up with more money uh, in your pocket because you're going to end up saving a couple of dollars on your taxes on that. So I don't say, I, I wouldn't say that tax deferral doesn't make any sense just because you don't get a match. We certainly don't have any idea what the tax rates are going to look like in the future. So we talked about this uh, sh- a show or two ago about how, we don't have any idea what the future is going to hold. So we can't invest based on tax policy that may or may not happen. We can only invest based on the facts of the case today, right? So we do know what tax policy is today. And in the future, if it changes, we'll change our investment strategy. That's why I know some tax advisors who still, even though the Roth can make a lot of sense, like the bird in the hand today, OG. They're like, with other ways of looking at taxes, everything could change. I know I get the bird in the hand right now if I take the pre-tax option. Like yeah, I, like you I know, get money paid now. I, I get it right now. I get the benefit now. You That benefit, I, I'm not sure how they take it away from me, right? Because yeah. I already already got the benefit. <laughs> figure it out, though. Yeah, if they, they can, they will figure out a way to will, do it. They will figure out a way. But there are lots of easier ways to uh, make changes, and they usually go for the low-hanging fruit. But like I said, just bird in the hand might be a great option. But I also like all three of these tax options together. I think he's probably for retirement chosen the worst one. I think not using a tax shelter at all is not as good as using either. Yeah, leaving the, some money on the table. Yeah, the Roth or the pre-tax option, I'd maybe pick one or the other, but I kind of like both. I like all three. I like knowing with the pre-tax thingy, I can that's the technical term thingy. I can get my bird in the hand right now 
tax relief. Sure, I've got some handcuffs there where the money's got to stay for a while, but those handcuffs aren't always a bad thing. Like making sure the money's available for retirement and I've got, you know, these reasons why I'm not going to touch it. Baviorally, that's pretty cool. On the other side, I like the Roth option where I get taxed later because, you know, tax-free later is a great thing. Uh, gives me tax flexibility later. And then I like the one that he's actually doing now because it's flexible money. I don't really have to worry about the tax ramifications on. But I just feel like he's, he's kind of headed the wrong way there, OG, don't you? Uh, yeah, I, I don't, don't give up on the tax deferral. Don't give up yet. There's, still, there's plenty of opportunity for you to give up on, on it. On it later. Right. Give up on it down the road. Thanks for the question, Jordan. Thanks for the questions, everybody. That's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, just one more quick note. If you've got questions that are more comprehensive and you need uh, financial planning help in your corner, OG's accepting clients. You know what that means? You can head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG and uh, set up a time for a personal chat on his calendar where you can talk about what it would take to have him working in your corner for you. Man. It is time. Doug said earlier, mom's got the beef stroganoff going, OG. Time to get some of that. Ooh, I do like me some stroganoff. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, thanks again for the notes. Thanks for everybody who shared uh, the Stacky Benjamin show with a friend or left us a review wherever you listen, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever that might be. Uh, we'll see everybody back here on Friday. Let's go stack some more Benjamins. Bye-bye. Well, everyone, what'd you learn today? First, I agree with Jocelyn Baird from Next Advisor. Protecting yourself online is important, no matter how the law works. Use password managers, shop at reputable sites, and don't open emails from companies. Just go to their website so you don't get caught in a phishing scam. Second, moving out of the basement? That's not for the faint of heart. In fact, if you aren't living in a basement yet, maybe you should consider moving into one. Jump in, the water's warm. But the big lesson... Don't bother sending Joe and OG letters for me because apparently they don't even forward them. They say there's no mail with my name on it. Well, KMBWTSDS. That's kiss my where the sun don't shine. Special thanks to all the amazing listeners who sent in letters. You're both smart and good looking. No wonder you're hanging out with me. Special thanks to Jocelyn Baird from Next Advisor. You'll find more about being safe online at nextadvisor.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC. The show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Join us Friday when Liz from ChiefMomOfficer.org joins Len and Paula on a roundtable discussion of three hot financial pieces that recently showed up on the internet including one on buying happiness. We can't buy you happiness, but I'm sure you can buy me happiness. Been done before.
So you've gotten these emails before, Joe, about the guy trying to get out of the country with the money, right? He needs he needs your help to get his money out of Nigeria. Yeah. It, and he's even willing to give you like half of it just for the just just to help him launder it. I mean, help him escape that country. You ever watch you ever watch the show Flight of the Concords? And Flight of the Concords, they have a manager and they go to the manager's office and there's a guy sitting next to him and it's the Nigerian prince. And the Nigerian prince is all, he's all bummed because nobody will return his emails. Yeah, no, I understand. Here's an article from a couple of weeks ago in Newsweek. Nigeria's anti-corruption agency finds $43 million in cash. In cash? Apartment. In cash? Sees more than $40 million in cash from an apartment in Lagos. They found $43.4 million in U.S. dollars, 30,000 pounds, British sterling, and 23.2 naira, that I assume is the uh, Nigerian currency. So this is legitimate, dude. Like, the guy was trying to get out of the country with his money. He had this $40 million that he promised, and uh, you should have replied to him. It was all stacked up nice and neat, too. Ready to go. Like ready just, to go into FedEx boxes and head to my house. Yeah. Head yeah. It's all in right it's here. all in hundreds, all wrapped up. So probably untraceable. Well, hundreds are pretty untraceable, right? I don't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I seriously don't have any idea. But the moral of this story is clearly the next time you get an offer like that, you probably should look into it. I want to. I've got a similar story here. How would you like to have eighty five thousand dollars in your little piggy bank? Who says I don't already, but go ahead. <laughs> this story comes to us from uh, KGUN9. On your side, by the way. On your side. I love that when TV stations do that. KGUN9. Of course, it's K-Gun, right? I got the gun on my side. K-Gun9. Where, where is this? Uh, what uh, city? ABC. I have, I have no idea. Tina found this uh, for me. Uh, somebody knows. Probably not worth the time. But but actually, it's on GMA initially myself. So good morning, America. Not gotcha. to get stuck in Doug's. Mr. Acronym. Stephanopoulos. Yes. They say a penny saves a penny earned, but this particular one could net you 85,000 bucks. Copper pennies from 1943 are among the most valuable vintage coins. At the time, America was in the midst of World War II and conserved copper strictly for the war effort. All pennies were cast in stainless steel that year, but some copper versions managed to sneak through by mistake. So if you have a coin from 1943 and it's actually made of copper, it's a bajillion dollars. One of these pennies sold at auction in 2010 for $1.7 million. <laughs> Appraisers estimate a 1943 copper penny in average condition. That gets you $60,000 at auction, oh, while man. mint gives you 85. Now, here's the thing. We talked to our friend uh, Jay Money over at Budgets Are Sexy about this because he was just starting a year ago to get into coin collecting. If it's in your piggy bank, it's not in mint condition. Probably not, right? Probably not. It's an average. It, could, it might be an average condition. It's still worth more than a penny. Yeah, sixty thousand bucks for a penny. That's, that's worth like that's like six million pennies. That's it. That's at least six pennies, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a math guy, but that seems pretty good. Do you think you could get your penny valued in pennies and get it back in pennies? So. You're like doubling down. Like you might be able to get another one. Yeah. Could you pay me that in pennies? You go to Sotheby's and they're like, uh, sold $75,000. You're like, I'll take pennies. You just start sorting through them all again. Maybe you can find another 1943 penny in there. 
almost like using your lottery <laughs> ticket winnings to buy more lottery tickets. Isn't I, that what everybody does? I remember. I don't know. I don't play the lottery. But I do. How are you supposed to win anything? I know. But I remember. I totally remember my what dad. What did you do with your extra tens in your wallet? I totally See, remember. I don't use tens for anything except lottery <laughs> tickets, don't you? <laughs> well, smokes. <laughs> that and chew. <laughs> get a Chuck. Get a six or a old Milwaukee's best and a can of snuff and and, and a couple lottery tickets and maybe a couple lottery tickets. Pays for that's, a, that's a fantastic Friday afternoon in my book. I, I I do remember my dad doing that. Man, five bucks. He would take a dollar when he's you know at the gas station and he'd he'd buy a scratch off. And if it won and if it was like a five dollar winner, he would buy five more lottery tickets. Yeah, my, my well, it's like would, when you go to the casino. I I don't go to the casino very often. I've been there a few times. But I went with my mom one time and she's playing penny slots, right? She's like, oh, it's a penny. It's not really a penny because you got to play. It's like 10 at a time know. or 20 at a time. Yeah, you got to play like the 10 lines times 5x multiplier. Da, 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 and it ends up being a dollar a pull, yeah. right? And I said to my mom, I said, I don't understand why you're paying. It's a dollar a pull. She goes, well, it's, a, it's like a penny. Like, it's not like a penny. It's a dollar. It's like a dollar, actually. It's, it's like 100 a pennies <laughs> per time. But the max payout on this thing's like 85 bucks. So why not take the dollar and go in the dollar machine where the max payout's like 85,000 bucks? I love that you know casino math. I just love the fact. <laughs> well, I mean. I think that you, game ends when like you walk the in lottery, the lottery. It's, 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 it's when you get a scratch. It's your dad's point. Your dad like this is a scratch. He goes, cool, I won five bucks. It's, it's not life changing. He's trying to get the $2 million winner. You don't get that by, you know, you got to take the five bucks you'd. I you also know. don't think you get it by putting the money back in. But anyway, I met a guy that won two one million dollar scratch offs in his life. How, how much money do you have to spend to do that? Yeah, I didn't ask him that, but I did know he lived in a trailer because he spent all of his money. He spent all, yeah. So you'd think, right? You'd think like <laughs> you win the lot, you, you, you do the scratch off. I want a million dollars. You got to pay Uncle Sugar. He's got to get some, right? But you're left with a solid 600000 out of the deal, anything, right? Right. And you blow it completely. It's all gone. There might be a twinge of regret there, maybe, you think? Maybe. Like, oh, I should have saved some of this. Some should have made its way to my retirement account. And not three years later, you do the same thing and hit another million dollars. Do you not go, okay, I'm done. Like, I seriously am never walking into a casino or a lottery office again. But this money definitely is going to be saved. And it's gone. I touched the stove once. Dang, that was hot. Ah, let's touch it again. See if it's still hot. Yeah. Mind-blowing what money does. Lesson learned or not. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and 
their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.